Good to see you all. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> My name is Cameron. I get to serve here as one of the staff campus pastors. Um, and whether you're a regular part of community or one of the three that just joined up uh, in baptism, um, or a parent or a friend or international student that's joining us from afar, uh, we just want to welcome you again. So grateful and so glad that you're here. Um, I'd like to start this time together with a simple question. Um, have you ever struggled to keep realistic expectations during the holiday? Have any of you, is it just me, like struggle keeping realistic expectations during the season? Yeah, I know I certainly have. And uh, I think if we're going to be real, we can know that the, the holidays um, often are times that we hope for so much and end up with so little. Uh, it's like the ringing of bells and the propagation of Christmas music holiday sales and comforting scents of gingerbread cookies somehow lures our hearts to hope for more than we normally do. One example for me with, uh, about this is with our Christmas tree. Uh, normally, I don't really care to like kill a tree and haul one inside. Like I live in Northwest. There's a lot of beautiful trees around, if you haven't noticed, uh, that are living and healthy. Um, and so the reason why I cut one down and haul it indoors and decorate it well, it's because it's Christmas, right? And so you can see uh, maybe in the next slide and the one after. Um, there we go. There's my beautiful wife. I just got married five months ago. That's Kristen there. This is, this is our Christmas card, you know, and you can see the trees in the background. That's, uh, that's the little um, managed forest that they called the Happy Tree Farm that we went to, to get our Christmas tree uh, this year. Um, and we just felt it was necessary to get a Christmas tree just so we could have our first like iconic Christmas as a married couple, right? Um, but in this process, I didn't realize that I had some strong expectations of what a Christmas tree should be, okay? It should be, uh, you know, skinny with like lots of room between the branches, not too tall, you know, the branches are kind of straight out and stuff. And meanwhile... I realized that my wife has a different expectation of what a perfect Christmas tree is, that it should be kind of like tall, but like bushy and full and all those things, you know? Um, So after a really riveting uh, discourse, (laughs) we ended up with a short, sort of wide, medium-bodied tree that really neither of us loved. Um, However, it would do. This is our tree in all of its glory. Yes, thank you. Thank you, dear. She decorated that. Um, But isn't this just like Christmas? It's like something about the holiday spirit seems to press us to have super flurious expectations. And it also promotes our family, friends, significant others, culture, even the church, somehow, to expect much more out of us, too, doesn't it? And it's justified just by the simple phrase, well, it's Christmas. It's like it may be fine for you and your family to spend most of the year apart, and everyone's happy. But for some reason, for a few days during Christmas, if you don't show up, you are going to face condemnation. Right? Why? Well, it's Christmas. Or it could be fine to buy your friends gifts whenever you want. And they're like, oh, thanks so much. That's so cool. That's so thoughtful of you. But now there's some crazy gift exchange scheme going on. And if you fail to buy the right gifts for the right people, you'll get ostracized. Wait, what? Why? You know, it's Christmas. Or perhaps for most of the year, 
Um, your friends and family don't seem to really care much if you like go to the church service or something. Uh, there's no real fuss, but now you find yourself in a church service. Why? Well, because it's Christmas. And bless you, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, but, or maybe you're like me, and most of the time you can maybe like, you know, prepare a sermon and be like, okay, I'm going to preach. Like, I'm not going to fret too much about it. I'm going to be excited, except for maybe tonight. And it's really anxiety-written. Why? Well, because it's Christmas. Wouldn't it be great to have a Christmas beyond expectation? One in which our expectations don't have to take over and lead us, leave us disappointed. Or one maybe that is truly greater than what we could ever expect. That's what I'd like to talk about tonight. A Christmas beyond expectation. I believe that God wants to give us a Christmas beyond expectation. And not by fulfilling our iconic, uh, idyllic Christmas dreams, but by changing our expectations and our perspective of what Christmas and really our entire lives can be about. So we're going to look at Jesus' story a little bit tonight. Is that okay with y'all? Yeah? That's uh, okay. Is that okay with y'all? <laughs> okay, great. Um, and because uh, I, I really think Jesus is key to this. And so we're going to look at his birth uh, in light of this sense of expectation. So if you have a Bible, you can flip over to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's in the New Testament, second half of your Bible, third book. Um, if not, you can follow along, and the, the words will be on the screen. I'm going to read from Luke 1, uh, starting in verse 26. I'm going to go 31. I'm going to skip a couple of verses, read 34, 35. Okay? You can just follow along on the screen. It will be fine. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with the Lord. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Skipping down. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Word of God. So this is actually part of the pre-birth story of Jesus. We're not like at the nativity scene yet, right? And uh, basically, if you didn't get it, there's a young woman named Mary who has an encounter with an angel who tells her that she's going to be pregnant and have a son. It's going to be Jesus. That's cool, right? Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool, except for the part in verse 27, where it talks about Mary being a virgin and being betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now, break down some words for you. If English isn't your first language, or if you're like me and it you're like, this is kind of archaic language. The virgin means that uh, she's never engaged in the baby-making process before. Okay? Um, and betrothed was like a fancy word for like an engagement. Like she was legally engaged and devoted to be married to a man named Joseph. Ideally as like a celibate and childless person, right? To her future husband. So the thought of becoming pregnant and giving birth to The Son of the Most High is awesome, but really not in line with what Mary was expecting 
for her new marriage, right? In other words, Mary wasn't expecting to be expecting. She wasn't really planning to be pregnant. I think you didn't even before that line. Um, and, you know, Joseph wasn't really expecting that either. So I'm going to read uh, his side of the story that's told in the first gospel, uh, first book of the New Testament, Matthew 1. I'm going to read verses 18 through 21. And it says, And her husband, Joseph... Oops, sorry. Go back. Now, the birth of Jesus took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to quietly divorce her. So basically, Joseph is like, what? I haven't even, like, been with her, you know? And she's prego? I can't believe this. I can't be having this up in my house, right? So he's like, I'm going to, like, quietly divorce her because, you know, I'm like a cool dude. But, I mean, it, it, this is like real, like, expectations, like, just churned over, okay? I mean, can you really imagine this? I want us to, to like, get in this a little bit. Um, this is not at all what a young bride or groom would hope for, envision, or expect. I imagine they were probably, like, expecting to wrap up uh, this betrothal process by, like, finishing, preparing their, their, their marriage, wedding, celebr- you know, expectation ceremony, um, you know, planning their life together, having a, you know, after they get married, maybe a, a day at least, or, or maybe like nine months at least of like romantic time before having a kid. Um, that was, and, and maybe that kid being born of like both of their DNA, like sharing kind of both of their genes. Um, that seems kind of normal. Um, and, and, you know, I think we have to like, get in the story and say, like, how would we feel in this place of broken expectation? How would we feel in this place of broken expectations? I mean, I don't know how I feel. I mean, I'm a pastor and I love God. And like I said, I've been married five months now, happily. Um, and we were engaged for about half a year, okay? And so hypothetically thinking about Joseph, like, to be in his place and my fiance coming to me and being like, uh, Cameron, I'm pregnant, you know, in final months of our engagement, like, I don't know how to deal with that. I'd be like, okay. And I'd hope like that, like, I'd have faith to believe that, you know, it's the Lord and the Messiah would come through this. Um, but even so, it'd be so incredibly hard adjusting, readjusting to everything and planning our, our whole life together differently when we had just planned our wedding and anticipated our honeymoon and were expecting to build our lives together in a certain way. I mean, for real, like, we kind of had a little hiccup in our process. Our wedding venue backed out two months, no, two, how long, a couple weeks? A month before we were supposed to get married, okay? It just fell through. And so by God's grace, we were able to find an alternative site and still get married the same day and everything. But just readjusting for a different space was so difficult and disappointing and stressful. So if placed in Joseph's story, I don't know how can not be disappointed, just simply because of all the expectations that would have to change. But you see, this supernatural event of Jesus' birth trumps the expectations they had for that season. And it puts them into a place where they could either wallow in disappointment or look beyond their situation to God and trust him. And fortunately, Mary's response and Joseph's actions testify to which road they decide to go. 
Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to her, your word. And Joseph took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son. Because of this, we get to celebrate Jesus the way we do today. And I think this shows us if we operate from a place anchored in our expectations of life, we'll be left with disappointment and irreconcilable heartache. But if we seek to pursue God alone as our highest aim in life, then we can experience hope, peace, joy, and blessing. So I want to ask us, like, where do you feel like your expectations may be getting shattered? Where have you experienced life as less than ideal or maybe what, like less than what you hoped for or expected? And how will you respond to this? You see, instead of being influenced by broken expectations they had for the next season of their life, Mary and Joseph decided to see God in the midst of where they were and let him shape their lives. Mary later declares, He who is mighty has done great things for me. And she rejoices in God and considers herself most blessed of women. Meanwhile, Joseph listens to and carefully obeys God. And in the process, he gets to have at least four dreams where he hears God speak to him. The reality they live into was not shaped by mundane disappointments of superficial expectations, but became infused with supernatural significance and excitement as they shared in God's presence. Think about it. They literally got to dwell with the Lord. They got to see Jesus do miracles. They got to have Jesus in their home. And I think God would want the same to be true for us today. So I wonder if at times we may need to seriously check ourselves and what we hope for, especially since our reality infrequently seems to match our expectations or our hopes or desires. So instead, maybe we need to recalibrate our expectations. You know, there's a proverb. I read a lot of the Proverbs. That's a particular book in the Bible um, that just has these wise little you know, quippy sayings um, when I was in middle school. And one that's always stuck with me was Proverbs 13, 12. And it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. And this verse causes me to think that many of us are sick, hurt, bitter, frustrated, or stressed because we have many unmet hopes. We have expectations and desires that are simply unfulfilled. Yet I wonder if this is in part because of what we hope for. Maybe some of our hopes aren't realistic or aren't fulfilled, and they may never be, and so we live in constant disappointment. And it could be maybe, you know, we hope in good things too, but situations, circumstances, incidents, and life just restricts us from really experiencing the way that that we would feel they should be or could be experienced. And if these hopes are significant pursuits in our lives, and our basis for satisfaction, then we'll just run ourselves ragged trying to achieve them, trying to meet them. And this could be uh, the expectations of the holiday, too. It could be of receiving certain gifts, or spending time with particular people, or eating specific food, experiencing long-anticipated family traditions, traveling to go to distinct places, having definitive times of rest, or a myriad of other things. Or they could maybe just be your general expectations of life right now, of passing all your classes for the quarter, of starting a new relationship or progressing in one that you've been in, getting into your major, 
securing a particular internship, getting a new job, getting a promotion at your job, finishing a book, losing weight, recovering from an illness or injury, or reconciling relationships with family or friends that you care about. There's all kinds of things that we hope for. And many of them aren't bad or wrong at all. But if they control us and predominantly influence, they can steal our joy and peace. So, I suggest maybe we should change what we ultimately hope for to who we hope for. Maybe we should change what we hope for to who we hope for. The good news is that God shows up in our unexpected, difficult places of life. The places where our hopes and our expectations have failed us. They haven't turned out. In those unsavory turns, Jesus shows up. For Mary and Joseph, this is exactly where God showed up. Literally, God showed up. In the midst of their disappointment and tumultuous start to marriage, God showed up. Jesus came. They had ultimately hoped for a Messiah, one who would come into their world and save them from the crushing disappointments of their broken reality. And as a result, when all their expectations fell through, or at least many of them, they were literally left holding on to Jesus, finding comfort in him who would ultimately bring comfort to all. And this is the good news when we hope in Jesus, that he never fails to meet us. A Christmas beyond expectation comes by realizing that Jesus has arrived on the scene, and you can expect him, and he won't fail to come. And so I think God invites us into uh, take on a new mindset this Christmas. I think perhaps the greatest gift that we can take away is a perspective change. A perspective change from what we are expecting for Christmas to who we are expecting. And I don't think this is true just for this season. I think this is true for our lives, for us to shift from what to who. For if we expect certain things in life, we will certainly be often disappointed. Yet if we expect Jesus in our lives, we can be assured and never be unfulfilled. Because unlike the expectation of other things, there is no uncertain looming future reality that's in question of if Jesus is going to come. We can actually look back and see that Jesus has already come. So it's like for sure that our hope is going to be fulfilled. And we can look at the resurrection and know that even Jesus will come again and that we will come to be with him in glory in a place where there is no more pain, there is no more disappointment, there is no more suffering, that we get to be resurrected with Christ even after this experience of life. So good. And so I think my question is, like, will we turn away from our personal self-fulfilling fantasies and cultural expectations of this season to turn to Jesus, to look to him, to hope in him, to allow him to meet us beyond our expectation? Will we repent and change our mindsets to no longer seek what we think we need, but to seek the one we need? Will we look for Christmas beyond expectation, one filled with the supernatural presence of God rather than a wish list of pointless things? What or who will make our Christmas complete? What or who will bring us the ultimate joy and satisfaction that we desire? The reality is that God has come in the most humble way through Jesus' birth. Nothing more needs to be done on his side for us to experience communion with him. 
He has come to be our forgiver, our reconciler, our uh, sacrifice, our sustenance for life. The only thing really lacking in the equation is if we're really to come to him. If we're really going to make space in our hearts and our lives for him. And so the question is, like, will we? And I think whether we know him already or whether we don't, that's a live question for all of us. Will we make space? Will we come to him in this season? And I think this Christmas may be an excellent time to start or to connect with God more. And I think perhaps, though, first we need to allow other expectations we have and hopes to take a subservient place. Just like Mary and Joseph had to release the primacy of their other hopes and even their marital bliss and expectation for how their marriage would start um, to be with Jesus, we may need to release ours, too. Christmas is not about fulfilling our holiday expectations. It's about God fulfilling all our needs in unexpected ways. It's not about fulfilling our holiday expectations. It's about God meeting our needs in an unexpected way. And so I want us to really experience a, a Christmas truly beyond expectation because of Jesus. So I'm going to invite the worship team up, and they're going to perform a song for us um, that we're going to, I'd just like us to meditate on. And it's an image that will be on the screen um, that's also on your handout, so when it goes off the screen, because they're going to be singing the song. Um, look on your handout, and I want you to just uh, look and, and, and think, what do you see in that? What does this tell you about expectation, about God's expectation, about your expectations, about how Jesus has come to be with us and how we make things of the season? Um, And this song that they're going to sing is uh, called Baby Boy. And there's a line in it that I really love. Um, It's endless hope and relentless joy started with a baby boy. Um, And so how do you expect this season to be? And do you really expect that your hope and your relentless joy will come simply from Jesus as he came as a baby boy? Um, so we're going to play a song, and then I'll come up and uh, wrap up our time with a couple questions. <laughs>